1: At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate digital agronomy platform,
2: everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used
3: herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners.
1: You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're
4: live, but we gotta let it breathe just for a moment here while we bring on our Facebook group here. Our entire community, gotta get everybody under the same roof. Letting it breathe like... Twin Miner's belly, a little something like that. I like the way that sounds. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest and the deputy editor of milehighhuddle.com. He is Zach Calverman. Zach, the Denver Broncos, since last we were able to talk with our great community, went out and signed a veteran wide receiver who has actually started games in the league for the Cincinnati Bengals. And of course, you had the write up for us at milehuddle.com. Drop some knowledge. Who is this guy and what does he bring to the table?
2: Well, his name is Damian Willis and he's a 2019 undrafted free agent. He played his rookie season with the Bengals. He started two games that year, appeared in 10 games, caught nine passes for 82 yards. He was waived the following year, and then he had a cup of coffee in Cleveland, latched on to Jacksonville's practice squad toward the end of last year, and he wasn't brought back. So that's the skinny on his uh on his bona fides in the NFL. But he's a big body possession receiver, Chad, not unlike Tim Patrick. Six foot three, two hundred and four pounds. Big catch radius, and I think, you know, obviously the Broncos need a replacement on the roster for right now for Deshaun Hamilton, but don't be surprised if they're starting to prep for the inevitability of Tim Patrick walking next offseason. This move was announced on the same day that Patrick signed his RFA tender to come back for this season. They can't keep everyone. Sutton's going to need a contract. They have Judy. They have K.J. Hamler. They drafted Seth Williams. This is a camp body slash Maybe potential future replacement for Tim Patrick, depending on how well Zach Azani works with him.
4: Yeah, so I like the quote here you found from USA Today's Jeff Risden. Uh, quote: This is him coming out Willis out of uh, Troy as a prospect. Quote: He has speed, four four eight forty yard dash at his pro day, but it's fairly straight line, and that shows in his route running. Willis can make catches away from his body and uses his length well to present himself as a big target. While he's not a muscular guy, Willis can fight for contested throws and hang on through contact. He's flashed the ability to climb the ladder and catch high throws. There's not a lot of wiggle or power after the catch, close quote. So, Zach, you hit the nail on the head. It's another possession guy. And as you say, it's the NFL, so you can never say never. You never know what kind of trajectory a relative no-name could take, you know, in, in the league. But this strikes me as a kind of futures type bubble guy type camp fodder. Let's keep that fourth QB's right arm, you know, nice and warmed up. We need to have that that fourth team or the two guys splitting third team reps. They need enough targets to throw to without getting too tired.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I do like what he brings to the table and his measurables, but he really has an uphill battle to climb, even for a roster spot, let alone playing time. You have the big three alpha dogs. Then underneath them, you have Tim Patrick, you have Tyree Cleveland, Deontay Spencer, Seth Williams. So it's going to be tough for Willis to get a spot on the 53, but you never know, like you just said, what Zach Azani can do, how he can blossom in the Broncos system and having another six foot three. Uh, possession guy who runs a four four eight in this offense can't hurt any quarterback under center, whether it's Locke or Teddy Bridgewater?
4: One thing that probably, I mean, I'll be frank, it probably doesn't really require our attention, but it's the offseason. We do need some storylines to keep things fun and engaging. Pro football focus, I know we touched on this Monday night, but Bruce Gradkowski, former NFL backup quarterback, uh, now writing for Pro Football Focus, ranked all 32 quarterbacks. Stop me if you've heard this before, okay? Drew Locke ranked dead last. And, Zach, of course, it comes as no surprise. We know that before he even became a pro, PFF has seemingly had it out for Drew Locke, making jokes about his mom and things like that. But how much – I've had a few fans reach out to me. How much, if anything, should fans read in to Bruce Gradkowski – ranking Drew Locke number 32. And before you answer that, here's what he said, quote, the reason the Broncos acquired veteran QB Teddy Bridgewater to compete with Locke for the starting job is because Locke had the 32nd ranked passing grade out of 36 qualifying quarterbacks. So, Zach, it sounds like George Payton, according to Bruce Gradkowski, before he decides what to do from a roster building perspective, He wants to check the grades at PFF first. Like everything stops until I can pour over what PFF had to say grade wise on one of my players or player I'm looking at signing or what have you, which is obviously very tongue in cheek. Right. Very ridiculous. But how much should fans read into this?
2: Well, a lot of listeners, or at least some listeners, are wondering, who's Bruce Gradkowski? I mean, why should we care what he has to say? Why should we care what Dan Orlovsky or Chris Sims has to say? It's just their opinion. But it really does seem, no matter the analyst, no matter the writer, no matter who's saying it, Pro Football Focus has it in for Drew Locke. They have a certain... Physical reaction on a body part that I can't name on this podcast for him, Chad, starts with a B, and they just won't get rid of it. I don't know if it drives him clicks. I don't know if they just hate the guy personally. They hate what he brings to the table. But however Broncos country seems to feel about Locke, it's amplified times 10 in Pro Football is rating, calling him the 33rd best quarterback out of 32, constantly trashing him, constantly looking at the Broncos roster like they're a Super Bowl-ready team, minus who's under center right now. So I don't really care what Bruce Gradkowski has to say. I don't really care what Pro Football Focus has to say. I'll trust my eyes, my brain, and my instincts when it comes to evaluating number three.
4: The biggest thing that's – and well said, by the way. The biggest thing that really just gets my goat on all this stuff, you know, Pro football focus, in my opinion, is one of the primary reasons, excuse me, uh, there's been such a negative upswell on Drew Locke, both in and outside the fan base. All right. But that being said, the one thing that drives me crazy about the Drew Locke critics that are screaming from the rooftops that this dude sucks is you look at his year two body of work, and yes, he was inconsistent. Yes, he was up and down, as we acknowledge on this podcast often. But what they focus in on, are the downs. They completely omit and ignore and avoid the ups. And that's the biggest thing about Drew Locke's 2020 body of work, Zach, is, yeah, there were some uh, alarming lows there, you know, specifically going from halfway through the fourth quarter of week six at New England through the third quarter of week eight at home against the Chargers. That stretch in particular, it was concerning. We saw some regression. We saw many boneheaded plays and you're going, whoa! What's what's happening with this guy? But then no one wants to talk about what then happened week eleven on, right? And it's the correlation, and the it, you know, it's look, it's it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that Drew Lock learning a new system, all right? Didn't get an offseason, didn't get a preseason, got a weird training camp, all right? Didn't get the reps required to fully assimilate the system like he would in a traditional year, Zach. So by the time you get to week eleven, that's where he's now had enough reps. To start feeling comfortable and loose in the offense. So he had to learn this, all right, in the in an NFL classroom of live bullet games that counted. No one wants to acknowledge that. No one wants to acknowledge the injury. No one wants to acknowledge uh the fact that it's this the this a new offensive coordinator, right? Without the the benefit of OTAs. I just wish that the if the critic is one they came at, Drew, came at him, whatever their assertion is, all right, assert your point, whatever that take might be, Zach, but then also acknowledge. The fact that, hey, you know, he had some unique obstacles specific to Drew, specific to the Denver Broncos that factor in to the macro
2: picture of what we're talking about in a now third year player. They'll never acknowledge those things because it doesn't just, uh, you know, hurt the narrative. It destroys the narrative, Chad. I mean, negativity sells, and we know that firsthand. Positivity doesn't. So if they're looking for their hook here to be Locke's terrible quarterback, and we're going to drive in clicks or views, if that's their end game here about Locke, they can't start off by saying, well, he has elite arm talent. He's a great leader on the field. He was hurt last year by the pandemic, by his offensive coaching. That's not going to sell. That's going to ruin their argument and ruin their narrative. And for whatever reason, it seems like he cannot improve upon that ranking. He cannot get any better than what he is, which is either 33rd, as crazy as that sounds, or 32nd overall. And if you look at the factors, if you watch the team last year turn on one game, whether it's week one or week 17, you would see the same things that Locke was hurt from last year, not just himself. He did plenty on his own to hurt himself, but the coaching, the play calling, the injuries, the line play, the receivers, the drops, that all factored in. But pro football focus, as great as they are for stat gathering and and data and all that stuff, they really fall short, as Boggan says in another comment here when it comes to opinion making, because it's so biased. They don't even try to hide it anymore. It's pure bias against Locke and Denver. Biased and subjective. Boggins, thanks for the super
4: chat, buddy. We're going to talk about this topic here um, because Sam Monson actually had a, a relatively, it's rare to see an insightful PFF article on the subject of Drew Locke. But as you say here, PFF has all posted that Drew has a 6.4% big-time throw rate in 2020, which was seventh best in the NFL. Yes, and we're going to talk more about that. But tonight, we are excited because it is Wednesday night, which means it is a superstar segment, and we've got one of the greats. Tyler Randall in the house with us. We can't wait to get him on camera and start picking his brain on some of these hot topic issues and some other fun uh, questions that we have queued up, but really quick. First, we got to take care of some matters of business starting with how to connect with us on social media. First things first, Twitter at huddle up pod and at mile high huddle. If you connect with those two accounts on Twitter, you're not going to miss anything pod related. You're not going to miss anything announcement wise or breaking Broncos news and analysis. Follow our producer, Buana Beast, on Twitter, at John K. MHH. My partners at Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad N. Jensen. And speaking of connecting with us, all right, make sure you're also liking and following the Huddle Up Podcast Facebook page. If you want to enter into our weekly drawings and giveaways for some swag, a hat, a T-shirt, a mug, whatever it might be, just make sure you navigate over to the Huddle Up Podcast page, like and follow, and you'll automatically be entered into those drawings. Open it up on your phone, just search Huddle Up Pod, or there is the actual link on screen, facebook.com slash pod, and you'll uh, you'll be right there. Also, speaking of Facebook, become a supporter if you want access to our VIP premium video and podcast content, which includes Kelverman's Corner every Sunday at noon Mountain Time and the Trickle Zone every Saturday at noon Mountain Time. Want to sign up? You just go to the page, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. You'll see the big blue button at the top. Become a supporter. You click that, you're in like Flynn, and you'll get access to that. And you're supporting the cause, contributing to keeping the lights on here at our podcast, video stuff, all that content. It is funded by you, the community. So thanks to all of you who have uh, pulled the trigger on becoming a supporter. And then last thing here, gang, make sure you head on over to the merch store, huddleuppod.com, and get yourself a hat. Get your swag on mug, T-shirt, whatever it might be, another great way to support what we're doing here, rep the brand, and also rep the team colors. And if you're not in a position to do those things, it's all good. We just ask that you are, number one, making sure that you're subscribed. Number two, like this video if you want to help get this content in front of other Broncos fans who just don't know that this community of fans exists out there, all right, especially on YouTube and Facebook, you like the video, it increases the chances many-fold of getting this content in front of fans just like you. And then three is, look, if we're doing a good job for you, or at the very least, if you respect the effort, share this video and help us continue to grow and reach those new like-minded Broncos fans just like
0: you. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site
5: now has come the time we want to bring on Tyler
4: Randall and Tyler he came to us over the last calendar year and he came on strong quickly established himself as a bona fide super chat superstar and he's up there on the MHH Mount Rushmore let's bring him on and say hello Tyler Randall in the house what's going on my friend thanks for joining us how you doing buddy
3: I'm doing great guys thank you I appreciate the opportunity to be here Heck yeah, dude. We've been looking forward to
4: this. We've planned it for a long time, so we are absolutely geeked up to have you with us. Now, we are going to get to some kind of fan-oriented questions. We want to find out how you became such a hardcore fan. you got a cool story on that. But first things first, on the subject of Drew Locke, all right, where do you stand? PFF, the rankings, all that. It's whatever. But what's your overall outlook on Drew heading into 2020, knowing he's got to, of course, you know, fend off Teddy Bridgewater? Etc. cetera.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, so I know uh, we've talked about it in, in length on here that it's almost being taboo to be a uh, Locke fan uh, at this point. But, you know, I'm, I'm one to take that on because, it, you know, my, my sides are not just based off a of PFF who has their own agenda. They want to prove their own points and all that. Uh, they do put out good work. They put out a lot of hard work, but, they're definitely not the end all be all. You do have to do your own research. You do have to do your own diving. And he has shown that he can make the throws. He can be electric. He just needs to put it all together. And I think another year, especially you know, referring back to how he was at Missouri with uh, having two consistent years, and he blew up. And just the clips that we've seen so far, it looks like he's poised to do that again. And I'm. Um, Honestly, I I wouldn't even be scared of Teddy if I was him, just because, you know, he's got more talent. He's got more of a ceiling. He, You know, Melvin Gordon recently, like you guys referred to uh, in the last pod, was hyping him up, saying he's not afraid to take the deep shots, and those are the kind of quarterbacks that win games these days, so... We'll get back to Locke in a minute. You mentioned research. You teased the research
2: that you've had, Tyler. I don't want it to go to waste. You're you're a druther, as they say, but you're also a big fan of, of, of Aaron Rodgers. So break out some of those stats, as you would, about Aaron and why he's a, such a g- great quarterback. We all know why, but you have at least one stat that blew my mind. Share us with the audience right now, uh, A-Rod's best numbers.
3: Most definitely. Uh, so I am, a, I am a big A-Rod fan just by Uh, His early work coming into the league, putting in his time, paying his dues, behind Favre of all people. We never thought he would get unseated, but they unseated him with a a true talent. Uh, So going through uh, some statistical diving, because I am a fan and I love doing data analysis, um, I found a couple of them that are pretty pretty interesting uh, about his career. He's got 412 total touchdowns in his 16-year career and only – uh, 86 interceptions, so he hasn't even hit 90, let alone 100 at this point in his career. So that's one thing that everybody preaches about keeping, you know, keeping the ball under, you know, on your side, not turning it over. And most of the turnovers that are caused in Green Bay are receivers fumbling or running backs fumbling. It's not Rogers throwing interceptions because he had four this se- this past season, and two of them ended up in one game so he only threw picks in three different games so he's definitely accurate I don't think
4: I mean honestly I don't think there's been a quarterback better than Rodgers in NFL history at walking that razor's edge of protecting the ball in fact just being stingy as hell with that ball I'm not giving you the ball while also making big play after big play after big play like I don't think anyone's done it better than him, but Tyler, let me, uh, let me flip the script just for a minute here relative to being a fan. All right. Um, I won't betray of course, where you are exactly geographically. I'll let you do that if you choose to, but you are another one of our great members of this community who exemplify our little hashtag state of being. All right. For those of you new to the, to the show, we say Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. It's wherever you are and you exemplify that. So, Tell our fans, tell us how you became such a dedicated, passionate,
3: hardcore fan of this team. Oh, most definitely. It's a, it's a unique one. Um, if I say so myself, I'm from Oklahoma. Um, I've lived in a couple of other places, but I've actually never even technically been to Colorado, except for going through it a couple of times. I really want to go. I'm setting up some stuff, hopefully to catch a game sometime, but we know we just got to. Week three. Weeks, Week three. i I'm try- If I could, I would. And uh, we'll see where everything's going uh, by that time. But we made a house purchase recently. So that financial situation. Congrats on that. though. <laughs> but thank you. Um, but so being in, from Oklahoma, normally you a lot of cowboys or, or closer surrounding states, short drives, it's like four hours to Dallas or two hours to Dallas from Oklahoma, or Tulsa's for and, that's pretty much what you run into. And they're not the fun ones. (laughs) They're the cocky ones. And they're like, well, I'm from Oklahoma. And I still do that. Um, But I actually grew up with a dad who was a Buffalo Bills fan, like avid, like he was in their chat rooms and everything. Um, So I guess I kind of got the data side from, from that, from witnessing that. And for me, I just never wanted to, be a be a follower of the same you know same team and just one of those things you I just never really clicked with the bills and I didn't really get into football until I started playing in middle school and when that happened I wanted to form my own opinions my own favorites and I based it off of the positions I was going to play and I was going to pick a player and root for that team I actually started out as an Atlanta Falcons fan uh, with Michael Vick, because I was going to play quarterback, and I was probably more scr- more of a running back than anything Lamar Jackson type, uh, except I can't throw like him or run because he's a freak. Uh, but ever since then, I, quarterback didn't really work out, never really hit the height, uh, unfortunately, five seven. You're not going to be thrown behind any offensive line for that unless you're going to hit him in the back. Uh, so I found – that was probably not the best position. So I ended up getting to uh, like skill position, like the players, like the West Welkers. He was getting big at that time. Um, my high school soccer coach actually played, you know, coached against him. Uh, so he was an idol of mine. Um, but my position ended up being about corners and safety. Cause I could read an offense because I had that experience at quarterback and I could just tell, Um, So I ended up looking for some DBs uh, to model my game after and to try and learn how to hit was a big thing for me because I was always so small and I just didn't really have that anger. Um, I ended up falling on uh, one of the top 10 hardest hitting safeties lists from NFL network. And sure enough, here comes John Lynch, my man. And ever since I saw his highlights, I was like, that, that guy right there. That's who I want to be. It Just taking names and not giving any mercy because, he. I mean, he even knocked out his brother-in-law from a game. He hurt him on purpose. <laughs> not really. Not on purpose. But he, he wanted to make sure his brother-in-law knew who was the big dog. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, the combo of him and Champ Bailey, I, that's what stuck with me. And then they drafted Jay Cutler. And I was like, you know what? They drafted a quarterback, and that's what the NFL is about, even back then. So I'm going to stick with this team, and I'm going to root for them. And ever since then, it's just been nothing but Broncos country all the time. And what's funny is I actually rooted against the Broncos, against the Falcons in their first Super Bowl. So I can't claim that I've seen or been a fan of the Broncos for their entirety of their Super Bowl runs. Uh, But I did convert, and I got to see two more. Uh, the great Peyton Manning, you know, bringing one home for us, number 50, big milestone. Next big one would be 75, but that's not for a while. Uh, hopefully, we can rack up a few more between now and then. But you know, ever since then, it's just been dominance and the defense. And I love defensive play. Uh, I love, you know, I, I am one. I love touchdowns. But Stu, give us my one, guys, Tyler. Give
2: us, give us a Zeus. Zoo.
4: <laughs> let's go man
3: <laughs> love,
2: love you Stu. thanks for
4: the Thank
0: super i appreciate that find your next truck at woodhouse buick gmc no matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling there's a premium and capable gmc truck that's perfect for you make a statement on the job site
1: Dinner. Tyler, but, um, you, you you know where I'm going with this, right?
3: Favorite memory, least favorite memory. Go. Uh, so I'll start with the least favorite. Um, and honestly, it was a, I, There's a few things I could pin it on. Uh, one of the biggest ones would be Josh McDaniels' failed experiment that ruined what we had going. He's like, oh hey, we have a quarterback on the rise, and we have an all-star receiver who just set the record for most catches in a single game and Brandon Marshall, and they have chemistry starting to work up. And all of a sudden he comes in and says, eh, no, I don't like this. Uh, but I have to say now it's been how the ownership situation has unfolded. Um, I would, you know, I'm as a Broncos fan, you want to have that, so, you know, security as an owner, like you don't want to have, you know, NFL threats looming over your franchise and things like that. And it's just the fallout that came from that. And, yeah, It led into the past five years of just mediocrity ever since the Super Bowl. And that that was definitely – that's probably my lowest right now. Um, but we are on the mend. Love Peyton, loving the moves. I had a bone to pick with the Lindsey move just because I love Lindsey. Uh, but that's a lot of Broncos country. But my favorite, I have to say, would be Super Bowl 50 just because of uh, the situation I was in. I was actually stationed in Wichita, Kansas at the time. And there was only one other Broncos fan there. And everybody in the station hated the Broncos. Like, they just hated them. A lot of Chiefs fans. And I just loved going into the Super Bowl. They're like, oh, really? You think you guys are going to beat Cam Newton? You guys are going to get blown out, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, we'll see. And then I got to ring in the just, just bring out the justice at the fire station the next day. And be like, yeah, who won, baby? Super Bowl 15. Yeah.
4: That's cool, man. You know, it's funny you bring up John Lynch and how you modeled your game as a young DB after him and the whole hitting component because everyone's well aware of of just how ferocious he was as a hitter. But I'll never forget watching this. I, I, it was probably on a top ten list like that. might have been something else. But he was talking about the art of laying the big hit. And, you know, as someone who's played football, anyone who's played, you know, most of the time when you lay those big hits, yeah, it hurts the guy you hit, but it most of the time hurts you too. You feel that. Yeah. And he talked about just that perfect zen moment of the certain kind of pop, certain kind of hit where you can just feel it. You don't feel anything. It's like the clean hit and then you drop the guy. But Tyler, I got one more for you cuz so we're running a little bit long, but I, I got to pick your brain on this. This will be interesting. So, as a fan who, let's just say from like 98-99ish till till Today, even though you haven't been a Broncos fan that entire time, that's about when your Bronco awareness really started. The the Broncos, Falcons, Super Bowl thirty three. Who would you put? All right, now the Mile High Huddle, Mount Rushmore of superstars. I mean, we carved out. We're in the Rockies, right? We're not trying to make do with the little mountains out there in the Dakotas. We're we got room for multiple bus up there on our Mount Rushmore. But keeping it to four. All right, who is your four Denver Broncos on the on? Mount Rushmore. Um, so it's
3: actually, that's actually like super easy for me. Um, and they can interchange in the order uh, except for number one. Uh, so I'll end on that one. But um, I'll say number four, uh, Steve Atwater. Uh, number three, uh, Champ Bailey. Number two, John Lynch. Number one, the man, the myth, the legend, Von Miller.
2: Wow! No Peyton, no Elway. That's that's a that's a non-quarterback Mount Rushmore chat that we've never heard before. It's very. Hey, it's cool. It's cool to have a different,
4: you know, a little different flavor. But Tyler, dude, thank you so much for giving us some of your time tonight. From the bottom of our hearts, you know, we appreciate your support as a superstar, keeping the channel going, keeping the show going, keep you know what you do in the community. So hopefully, you know that we really do appreciate all of your contributions and the time you take to you know, come on the show tonight, the time you take to watch every show and chip into the conversation and always bring good questions and good topics to discuss. So thank you for all that. Thank you for your time, my friend. And we want to, of course, have you back on the show in the very near future, sometime between now and when football gets started again at the end of the summer. So hopefully we can, we can make another date work, but thanks for joining us tonight, my friend. It's been great meeting you and, and chatting with you and we'll talk to you
3: soon. Yeah, not a problem. I'd definitely be up for coming back, and I appreciate you having me on. You guys have a wonderful rest of your night. You and too, Tyler, though. thank you for your service as well. Yes. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. All right, buddy. We'll talk, talk to you good. soon.
4: There he goes. Follow him on Twitter. He had it up there, but it's at Randall, and he spells Randall kind of like Nick Kendall with Kendall. He spells it R-A-N-D-E-L-L. So it's at Randall underscore Tyler. Follow him. Great follow on Twitter. As you could see, data guy, you know, analytics likes to kind of break things down to the nitty gritty. But Zach, I got to say that that's it's been a minute since I've asked a a question, whether on a live pod like this or just, you know, casually talking to a Broncos fan. And And you talk about their all time faves and you don't hear Elway, you don't hear Peyton Manning. So that was kind of cool.
2: Yeah, it's it's. It's unique to him, and that's what I really like about Tyler. He gave his analysis, like you said, based on data, but also his educated, objective opinion. He wasn't like Pro Football Focus, where it was biased one way or the other. He is an Aaron Rodgers fan, but he's also a Drew Locke fan. He's a Broncos fan, but he's not going to put Elway on there or Peyton on there if he doesn't believe they should be on there. So he was really interesting tonight. I had a lot of fun talking to him.
4: Uh, real quick, to catch up on some of our great patient superstars, Um, I know we already shouted out Zeus, but he had two supers in here tonight. Love you, bro. Hope everything's good in your neck of the woods. What we do without you, I don't know. But thank you, my friend. I'm moseying down real quick here. Here we go. Uh, John's got one queued up. Muhammad, look at that cute little baby. Look at that cute little baby. Uh, Brand new, brand new baby to Muhammad and his wife. Congratulations, bro. Thank you for the super. And congratulations on the new addition to your family. Yeah. Very, very cool to see that, my friend. And uh, I mean, just super stoked, super happy for you.
2: Yeah, all the best. I uh, hope mom's doing well. And uh, Muhammad, we appreciate all your support. Thank you. And congratulations again.
4: Very cool. I got one coming uh, next Thursday. In fact, is when my baby is probably going to be here. We went to the doctor today. And the doctor, we originally had our due date as June 10th. And the doc... He's gonna be on vacation that week, so he's like, "Hey, why don't we just induce on this date? You're good to go. This kid could come at any moment, no problems. He's he's fully baked, you know. He's cooked. He's ready to come out. And so we're we're going in next Thursday, uh, to to have a baby. So we'll be joining you in that fraternity. Muhammad is brand new parents again, but thanks, buddy. Um, Doug, what's up, bro? He says, "What's up, Chad and Zach? Man, the hate is real. Pff." My guy, Drew, is going to prove him wrong. Hashtag let him hate. Hashtag state of being. Appreciate that, Super Chat, Doug. You're definitely working your way up toward being a superstar, and it means a lot to us.
2: And that's also, you know, the the hashtag and the whole saying was inspired, not just for Locke to prove Broncos country wrong, but literally every single person doubting him, even the people that are paid to be critical of him, but fair. And they're not, they're totally biased against him. So whether it's PFF, whether it's bleacher report, whether it's NFL.com, whether it's people in Broncos country, I think he's going to rise up to the challenge. And based on the little video we saw, you can see it in his eyes. You can see it in his stature and his, and his body language. He is laser focused this year. And I think he's going to have a bigger season.
4: Dave from Georgia back in the saddle with us. I'm not, you know, it was good to hear from you privately, Dave. I'm glad to hear things are are going well or better for you. So don't fret. You know, it's always, we like hearing from our superstars, like when they go uh, dark for a minute, like we're not seeing them in the, in the chat, they reach out, they let us know what's going on. Even though we don't, we're not expecting any kind of e- explanation or anything like that. It's good. We like hearing it because oftentimes when those moments come, it's because something's going on. Maybe they need a little. Uh, you know, a little positive energy going their way. So, Dave, love you. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, hashtag,
2: who's Bruce? Bruce Wayne? I don't know what that means. Do you? Br- Gradkowski. When I said, oh, who, you know, who's Bruce Gradkowski? I mean, yeah. again, that's that's even you don't know, Chad. You've forgotten that short time. I, forgot, I mean, dude, I His opinion means less than nothing. So, yeah, who's Bruce Gradkowski indeed, Dave? Good to see you, bro. Uh, Michaela, the Duchess, in the hizzy.
4: Generosity wow. on point as usual. Love hey, you. Michaela. Appreciate you. Michaela says, PFF is a joke. I remember when they were reputable. Now they can suck on lemons. Peace. (laughs) Yes. Deuces indeed to PFF. Yeah, there was a time that, you know, it was, you know, it really was a unique, cool, um, insightful addition to helping break down uh, football analytics you know coming into the picture not just from a team perspective i mean teams have been using analytics on the football side different forms of them for for many many years but pff kind of brought that into the media landscape and popularized it to a point where fans not only understood it but actively sought out that information and you know they were trailblazers in credit to them but they've really taken a turn for for the worse over the last few years and i say that even if drew lock had never become a bronco so their grades, hey, you, you want to use them as a barometer? I'm not going to fault you for it, but just don't hinge everything on their grades. Their actual premium stats, those are what's valuable. That's actually measuring empirically, did a thing happen or not? That's it. And that takes all subjectivity out of it. It all it, It's completely objective. Anyone can see, oh, yeah, that was a completion. Chalk it up on the board. All right. Now their premium stats dive a lot deeper than simple things like that, but those things still have a utility. What PFF offers in the premium stat department, their grades and their editorial vision.
2: What a joke. And it's definitely not limited to just quarterbacks or limited to just lock. It seems like it's a Broncos issue. I remember after last season, they graded Justin Simmons as the second best safety in football, number two overall out of like a hundred qualifiers. Yet he wasn't on the all PFF team after the season. So literally one hand never knows what the other's doing. And here's a downfall of PFF. It's when Twitter got to them. They weren't just stats anymore. They weren't just this little known brand that chris collinsworth had some investment in it's when they started with the memes and the clout and the social media the toxicity of twitter ruined pro football focus
0: find your next truck at woodhouse buick gmc no matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling there's a premium and capable gmc truck that's perfect for you make a statement on the job site
4: Andy, what's up, dude? Another great superstar who's come on strong lately. Great to have you. Thanks for the support, buddy. He says, PFF has had it out for Locke since before he was drafted. No surprise, they still have takes that bash him. Hope he serves them a bunch of crow pie this year. Hashtag football I like that, dude. It's like Jake Plummer said, you know, Jake is holding out and hoping that Drew Locke gets the last last laugh on, on people like that and his naysayers. And
2: I am inclined to believe that he will. I just feel really sorry, and I don't mean to indirectly insult anyone out there. I just feel really sorry for people who take what's information that's presented to them and blindly accepts it as fact without trusting their own judgment, their own eyes, and their own brain. If you watch Locke last year, in the second half of the season, you saw a quarterback that was a lot better than 33 overall. You saw a quarterback that was a lot better than what Bruce Gradkowski got. I can't even pronounce his name. It doesn't even matter what he deems acceptable in the NFL. I just wish the bias wasn't there, but it's the Broncos' bias, Chad. It's been there for years now. Kane Dawson, what's up, dude? Great to connect with you on Twitter.
4: Appreciate your support. He says, Zach, constantly bringing that fire. I love it. Let them hate. Love the shirt, by the way. Hey, dude, uh, the shirt, you got to send us a uh, selfie. All right, we'll put it up on MHH Instagram. Follow us over there, gang. At mile underscore high underscore huddle. Follow us over there. But, Kane, appreciate you, dog. Huddleuppod.com. Get your own. Let them hate. Appreciate Um, you, Kane. Kiaka in the house as well. Across the the. Pacific in Paradise in Hawaii. What's up, bro? Appreciate you. He says, first of all, it's PFF. Secondly, it's Bruce Gradkowski. Lastly, (laughs) who the frick is Bruce Gradkowski? Exactly. Love y'all, Broncos country. Yes, touche. Well said. Well said. Uh, You know, just like an offensive coordinator, you know, Bruce Gradkowski, he took his marching orders from his OC anytime he was on the field. It's good to see that that, you know, following the editorial mandate, whatever's being, you know, forced down his throat. No problem. Oh, drew locks the the worst. Okay. Enter done submitted. That's how it's flowing. Uh, Brian, what's up, dude? Thank you. Appreciate you, brother. He says, I believe in lock, but I'm really scared. Zach, what do you think he means by that?
2: I think he's scared to get hurt. And Brian, I don't really necessarily blame you. I mean, a lot of people are familiar with my My past life, watching the Jets and the quarterback uh, nightmares that went on there, I don't blame you at all for wanting to be emotionally invested and kind of dipping your toe in but not wanting to jump into the deep end I understand. Listen, he plays really well one snap, and then he'll make you hold your head in disbelief in a bad way the next snap. But you have to ride with him if he's the quarterback of the Broncos. You have to go all in with Locke like he's doing. He's dedicating every resource he has, and he has been for weeks now, to becoming the best that he can be. And if he's not good enough, he's not good enough. But you have to take the chance. What is Wayne Gretzky like always used to say, Chad? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So if you don't have any investment, you're not going to get any other reward that would happen if Locke blossoms this year.
4: Yes, yes. And BNS says, Zach, I'd say let them hate, but PFF hates all things orange, so it's redundant. Hashtag all pro bowls. Another touche. Well said. I can't speak on the bowl tape, but good to see you, BNS. Hey, shout out to Steve Armstrong. Appreciate you, my brother. Hashtag. Football priest, yep, state of being. Uh, Dale, what's up, brother? Appreciate you. He says, Chad, love the article about PFF and Locke. Spot on. I can't take anything PFF says seriously. I can, however, take MHH to heart. Thanks, Chad, Zach, and John. Appreciate that, brother. Really do. means a lot. Real quick, uh, John, it's about to jump here. Um, Let me just grab one or two more, and then I want to pull up this article from Sam Monson that that Boggins brought up because it's worth talking about. It's one I mean, I was shocked to see all positive things said about Drew Locke by anyone at PFF. And, you know, credit to Sam Monson. He's one of the PFF OGs. He's not necessarily been one of the guys at the forefront of the Drew Locke shade bandwagon. Um, So we'll get to that in a sec. ML, a newer name on Super Chat. Zach, so. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Connect on Twitter. ML says, what if we trade for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams wants to follow him to Denver in the offseason? How would our wide receiver room look? And that's so many steps down the hypothetical path that I don't even know that it's worth talking about because, first of all, it doesn't really feel like the pendulum's swinging toward Rogers leaving Green Bay. Right. And even if it was, and even if he did, that's a cam that's getting kicked down the road as far as Adams, even in your own hypothetical here, at ML, a year from now. So, I mean, if he landed here, then what do you do with Cortland Sutton? You still got to pay Jerry Judy if he continues to develop as you expect him to as a first-round pick. KJ, Noah offense. Eventually, you run out of money to pay skill position, guys.
2: And they have Damian Willis, who needs Devontae Adams now, Chad. The thing is, though, he's <laughs> under contract. I mean, this is not going to set a precedent where every player that signed gets to just dictate where they want to go. If they do trade A-Rod, which I think is less and less likely, that's a very unique situation. Not every player like Devontae Adams can say, no, I'm going to go there, I'm going to Denver, peace out, I'm reneging on my contract. doesn't work that way. And I have a funny feeling if Rodgers were to come to Denver, he would like his receiver core a lot. I mean, you mentioned them, Chad, the tight ends, the running backs, the receivers. He has a better set of skilled players here than he ever had in Green Bay. So I think he'd quickly forget about Devontae Adams if, big if, a trade were to happen.
4: All right, John. So I'm going to grab Flyfish Hunter here. Before I do, the stream just jumped. So let me tell you where we need to cover some makeup ground here. From Flyfish, we need uh, Zeus. We got Zeus. We need. Uh, hold on. Let me sc- let me do a quick scroll really fast here. So the next one I have is Nancy at six thirty nine. So in between, we need Air Mason. We need the Queen. We need Cottonmouth Calvin, and then we're good. So those four. Meanwhile. Flyfish Hunter, what's up, dude? Thank you for that very generous super chat. Very cool to connect with you on Twitter and chit chat on uh, DM. He says, and by the way, if you're if you guys are into fishing, check out his YouTube channel. As you can see, Flyfish Hunter. This is an expert in the in the field. Some really cool videos fishing some of the coolest little hot spots in uh, the United States. So check that out. But he says all reports indicated Broncos would take one of the big four quarterbacks if they were available at pick nine. Do you think the news of Aaron Rodgers morning of the draft derailed their plans? Hashtag state of being hashtag Broncos for life. No. And here's what I'll say. Flyfish hunter. We were telling you on this podcast, our gut intuition based on how what we were hearing and just our vibe on this was that they were not going to take a cue that it was all smoke signals. It was all just BS. All right. And I think that they take Patrick Sertan they're at number nine, whether the news breaks on Aaron Rodgers that day or not, leaving Justin Fields on the board, leaving uh, Mac Jones on the board and everybody else. So it, and that's another thing. you know. Even the Boo Birds in Broncos country on, on the Drew Locke subject, it's like, look, it was a vote of confidence. All right, It wasn't like a um, out in front. This wasn't John Elway saying Drew's our guy after the draft. That's why we didn't take one. It wasn't quite on that level. But Zach – it was a vote of confidence in drew, but the reality is you go, well, then what about Teddy Bridgewater? If they're so confident in in drew, what's that about? You know, trading for him day before the draft. Well, look, you got uh, jobs on the line this year with the coaches. They got to have a a fail safe just in case they got to have a competent, plausible veteran fail safe in the event that let's not forget two years in the league, drew lock, two injuries that have caused him to miss actual regular season time. So you know, I don't read into that. I really don't. The Broncos had a chance to, if it, you know, wh- however you want to look at it. Let's just say upgrade the QB room, right? Because at the very least, bringing in a Justin Fields to the quarterback room, at the very least, you're significantly upgrading your depth. They had a chance to do that, Zach.
2: They didn't do it, and I really don't think it had anything to do with Aaron Rodgers. And could they show any less commitment to Teddy Bridgewater? They reduced his contract to one year for four million bucks. They traded a six-round pick for him, and then even Bridgewater said he's coming in here with the expectation of being the backup. So I don't think it was in the cards to take a quarterback at number nine unless it was Trey Lance, and that's just my opinion. But it seems like once Lance went off the board at number three, any option or discussion about taking Fields or Mac Jones ended there. You take arguably the best defender, not just cornerback in this draft class. And I think that's what Peyton's whole objective was about. We've been saying that for quite a while now. So I don't think the Aaron Rodgers news derailed the Broncos plans. I think the Fields and Mac Jones news was fake news. I don't think there was ever any serious intention of taking them at that spot. I think that was a media and fan creation sparked in part because of the animosity and vitriol surrounding drew Locke. well said the queen in the house talk about a, a day to celebrate
4: when we have christy here with us it's a better huddle up podcast here she is with a very generous super chat off the top rope she says i haven't been by for a bit been super busy so good to catch a live good to see my guys and you all go broncos The queen doing what the queen does. Love you, Christy. Hope the girls are doing well. I feel you on the softball life. I'm really starting to kind of learn the ropes of that, but love you. Appreciate you. Good to have you.
2: Literally the podcast is not the same without Christy in the chat. So we appreciate that. Not just you popping in, but your level of donation and your support and your generosity as always, Christy. That's exactly why you're the queen. It's exactly why we love you so, so much. All
4: right, real quick, John, I'm going to take a, a break from supers and I just want to grab this little bit. Uh, from Sam Monson, <clears throat> excuse me, of Pro Football Focus. And in this article, all right, he's basically, the, the premise of this piece is uh, how likely, or the unlikely case, excuse me, all right, the unlikely case that Drew Locke can be the answer for the Denver Broncos. And what he goes on in this in the body of the story to say is, He compares him to an outlier like, yeah, let's not completely eliminate the possibility of him following in Josh Allen's footsteps and going from being written off to taking the league by storm. As unlikely as it might be, it's a possibility maybe, but don't get your hopes up. It was his main premise and he throws a bunch of stats out there, but one of PFFs premium stats relative to the quarterback position. All right. Is the big time throw rate. Now it is slightly subjective. It's not quite a, objective measuring of did this happen or not, there is a little bit of bias and opinion built into this particular metric. However, Sam says, quote, what Locke does have working in his favor, though, is a high big-time throw rate of 6.4% last season. That figure ranks seventh in the league behind five-star quarterbacks like Derek Carr, uh, behind five-star quarterbacks and Derek Carr. <clears throat> it's a higher figure than Allen managed, Allen's was a 5.8% big-time throw rate, and it shows that for all of Locke's inaccuracy, he has real upside. Big-time throws are PFF's highest-graded passes. Generally, they are deeper down the field into extremely tight windows or a combination of both, and they aren't just a nice thing to see in a quarterback. They materially matter to an offense. An offensive drive ends in a score 60% of the time when there is a big-time throw during it. A quarterback who can repeat that skill is a huge boost to an offense if, here's the rub, he can avoid plays that offset or negate those plays. Last thing I'm going to read here, Zach, herein lies Locke's current struggle. As good as his big-time throw rate is, his turnover-worthy play rate is problematic at 4.5%. His career rate would rank 35th out of 42 quarterbacks in 2020. Again, though, we can draw a parallel with Josh Allen, whose rookie season saw him post a turnover-worthy play rate of 5.1% before cutting 0.8 percentage points off that each subsequent year. Locke hasn't shown that development yet, but as we mentioned before, his sum playing time right now amounts to around only one year of play, close quote. So, Zach, This was one of the few insights from PFF that I've read since Drew Locke became a pro that I'm like, yeah, this this is actually insightful because this is what we keep talking about with the ups and downs. Even John Elway, Drew was up and down at the end of the season. The ups, the downs. Everyone wants to focus on the downs, but the ups have been mouthwatering like killer ups. I mean, the Carolina game, 280 yards passing, no no, uh, interceptions, four touchdowns. Games like that, and that's a complete game, but these big-time throws, you see that, Zach, and you go, that's what we're talking about, and then, of course, the boneheaded turnover or whatever might happen, and you're like, man, if you could just cut those out, this kid could be onto something. That's what he's trying to work through. That is the plight of every very talented, toolsy young Q coming out of college into the pros. They have to work through that learning curve, and many fans and almost all of media, local and national, they want to skip that. They want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, no, no, no. Drew Locke is unique in the universe of football. He doesn't get the learning curve. He doesn't get the developmental time. He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. We're going to crucify him. In this case, Monson, I think, is providing some, from an editorial perspective for PFF, some much-needed balance for Drew.
2: Yeah, and D Brown in the comments, we've warned you before, but you're getting a little carried away again by, you know, with your opinion on Locke, so kind of settle down there. And listen, people accuse me of being biased for Locke, and I'm gonna dispute that right now. I don't need his big time percentage stat to know that he has upside chat. That stat means nothing to me. Just as the negative stats mean nothing to me. It's all in the eye test. If you needed 2000 words and numbers and stats and analytics to tell you that drew Locke is an inconsistent young quarterback who's still growing, who has upside, but also flaws. I don't know what to tell you. It's all right in front of you. But if you deny the fact that he got better last year, that is just your own personal bias. A hundred percent. And by the way, Honestly speaking, to guys like D and anyone else
4: who has this perspective, where are we getting carried away with Drew? Like, what have we said that is a bridge too far about Drew? I want to hear it. Put it in the chat. John will keep an eye out for it. Cottonmouth78, what's up, dude? Good to have you in the chat tonight. Thank you for your support. He says, you guys aren't Shermer fans, so who would you like at OC? Also, if Fangio doesn't cut it, who would you like as head coach? And do you think Vic would stay on as DC if he lost the head coach job? That last one is a hard no. Um, who would you like at OC, Zach? If Shermer gets the can at the, after this year and they rehire and all
2: that stuff, who, who are you thinking? I mean, take your pick. You know, you can have Eric Bieniemy, Kellen Moore, Greg Roman, Brian Dayball. There's so many talented minds out there, Chad. Even Michael LaFleur, after one year with the Jets, he's going to be probably a head coaching candidate after his work with Zach Wilson. So any either – Young to moderately aged offensive mind. I just think the next head coach, regardless, 100% has to be of the offensive side of the ball.
0: They can knock find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site
5: tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America hands off our kids paid for by America first legal
2: continue going against the grain and hiring a defensive mind
4: in a perfect world if you could do that you know you go get a great offensive head coach and you can keep Vic great it just doesn't happen that way you know when that happens from a PR perspective it's almost like exercising a demon you know it's not that Vic at that point would be a demon but it's just a hey we fired a head coach what kind of signal are we sending to our fans if we keep him on, even as a defensive coordinator? It's from a PR perspective, they just like to keep it simple. That's it. He's fired. He's no longer with the organization. That's that. All right, we got one here from Air Mason 14. What's up, dude? Thank you for the super. Honest opinion Perfect. on Justin Fields.
2: Zach, your thoughts. I'm not as high on him, I, I believe, as you are, Chad, and most out there. I think he's he's a, a nice, talented prospect for sure. He had a lot of success in college. He has a lot of mouth-watering tools. I just don't see the, the hype that he's getting from the outside media where he's this, you know, bench Dal- Andy Dalton now. Put him in. He's going to have a 10-year career. He's the next Deshaun Watson, next future All-Pro. I have him distinctly under Zach Wilson and Trey Lance in this draft class based on upside. I think he's going to have a nice career, but the way they're projecting him, I think is a little out of control. Just my opinion though. I think he's a talented young quarterback. I think that if
4: the bears play their cards right offensively and Matt Nagy, you know, manages to jive with them in terms of, you know, scheming things around his skill set, scheming things around what his limitations are at this point in his career. I think he could be a stud. I really do. Um, but those are big ifs, you know, it's every young quarterback has to, just like Drew is, Drew is a second round pick. I know big difference between a first round pick, but still, um, you know, every quarterback's got to walk that desert and the coaches uh, can help try and minimize the, the distance. They do have to walk in that desert, but so much of it is up to them in terms of just how hard they work being fortunate in terms of the coaches they do get the supporting cast they get, I think Justin Fields will go on to have an, a decent career. Is he going to be a superstar? Uh, I don't quite see it yet, but it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Calvin, what's up, dude? Good to see you. Appreciate you. He says, hey, Broncos country, can't watch now, but showing some love. 63 snaps, trying to file a grievance as if he was a victim for doing nothing after getting a free $17 million. Talking about Jawan James there's Zach.
2: Yeah, but let's be honest, Calvin. And, you know, I, I'm far from the biggest Juwan James fan, but if I was screwed out of 20 million bucks and I was following marching orders for my union and I got hurt and then I got cut, I'd probably file a grievance too. I'm just being honest. That's a lot of money at stake. That's my livelihood. There's a chance this can be a career threatening injury. So why wouldn't he want to come after money that technically was coming to him? I can't blame him too much. This is all on and the same thing with uh, Deshaun Hamilton all on J.C. Treader, all on D. Maury Smith, and all on the NFLPA for incorrectly and egregiously advising these players to work out away from the facilities. They have blood on their hands, nobody else's.
4: Indeed. Yep, absolutely. And look, James is doing what he has to do, you know, and maybe he ends up getting some kind of a settlement that he wouldn't have otherwise got if he didn't assert the issue uh, with the with the NFL through arbitration. But uh, Nancy, what's up? Thank you for the super chat. A newer name, so welcome. Thank welcome. you. Connect on Twitter. She says, "Longtime fan of MHH. You guys do a great job showing a little love." Well, thank you, Nancy. Thank we you. really do appreciate it. Stick around. Uh, you know, throw in some t- any topics, questions you have. Not just tonight, but every single night. If you're around, we want to hear from you and appreciate the contribution. We really do. Um, hey, look, Tyler comes on the show and then jumps into the chat, throws up some some coin for MHH love it appreciate you Tyler he says thanks again for the invite I appreciate all the love hashtag MHH for life Broncos country and Denver Broncos for life you're one of the
2: greats dude love you Tyler exactly that's why you're a superstar Tyler we loved having you on tonight we appreciate all your continued support um LA2K
4: come on don't be such a curmudgeon man lighten up a little bit hashtags are fun let's go no more hashtags while using a hashtag there you go. Uh, we're at 55 minutes, and I got to keep this one pretty tight. All right. Because I, I got to, I'm trying to get to my daughter's softball game. It starts in nine minutes. I want to catch half of it if I can. So we'll, we'll try and uh, blaze through our great supers who have been patient, including BG. Talk about a Mount Rushmore superstar. This is one of them. What's up, Brian? Good to see you. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Good to see you, Brian. Uh, Jennifer King, also in the house. She says, and thank you, Jennifer. Congrats, Mo! And by the way, Mo picked a Bronco name, all right, for his son. Can you guess what it is? If you're following Mo on Twitter, you know. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a hint. This player's last name was Jackson. Put it in the chat if you know the answer. But Jennifer, thank you. She says, uh, "Congrats to Mo and family, plus a preemptive congrats to Chad and family." Hey, appreciate it. Thank you very much. It means a lot. All right, let me see here, John. Um, okay, we're, we got those. Let me just mosey down here really quick. I'm trying to think if we missed any news. The Broncos uh, hired – well, we didn't talk about the fact that they hired because uh, we left Monday night, Tuesday. The Broncos hired um, a new – it's hard to say at this point, like who is actually going to be George Payton's true number two, like who's his Matt Russell going to be? You know, who's his George Payton going to be relative to the, uh, the Vikings GM, Rick Spillman? So, of course, we know that they hired uh, Kelly Klein. All right. She's going to be, it seemed like she was going to be the number two. But then they hired yesterday as a senior personnel executive, Roman Pfeifferczak. He of the former, as a player, New England Patriots fame, right? He won three world championships with the Patriots in that early 2000s dynasty 14, 15-year veteran linebacker, got into coaching. In fact, he was an assistant linebacker's coach in Denver under Josh McDaniels. Then he went from coaching to scouting ranks, washed out of the NFL for a few years, went worked for the UCLA Bruins in player development. Then he went back, got hired on to be an area scout for the Detroit Lions, and now he gets this bump, Zach. Now he is George Payton's, quote, senior personnel executive. It's hard to say at this point who the number two is. I'm leaning toward Kelly Klein because of her past working experience with George, but two momentous hires. And then they went out and hired a new scout today as well.
2: Yeah. And I actually saw a glowing endorsement from that scout. I don't want to butcher his name, but I believe it was Ryan O'Halloran who spoke to a leak source and the Broncos are getting a good one with their area scout. He's a very uh, well-regarded kind of guy, good eye for talent. And the same thing for Roman Pfeiffer. And what I like about him is he has college experience, which is recruiting experience. So he has that selling point, that selling aspect, that showman um, ability, not just eyeing talent, but also securing talent and doing what he thinks is best for the organization. I I like the Broncos are going to players' roots. They're going to different areas of the tree, different branches. They hired, historically, the first... The highest ranking woman uh, executive in NFL history, now Roman Pfeiffer of Patriots fame. So I love what Peyton's doing. And, Chad, we we said this on Monday show. Don't be surprised if there's wholesale changes in the Broncos front office. This is what new GMs tend to do every single year. Once the draft is over, they get their own guys in the building. So it could be uh, the clock ticking for Brian Stark. Sewan
4: Joe. That's how you say his name. Saywon Joe, for That's what a it's call, worth. Um, lots happening in the Bronco front office, for what it's worth. I just didn't want to miss out on that news. We also saw that the Broncos agreed to terms with their first round pick, Patrick Sertan, is officially locked down, signed a uh, four year deal. Of course, it's worth just shy at twenty one million dollars. He's going to get twelve million plus in his signing bonus, so fully guaranteed. You know he's uh he's locked in, which is good to see that that little piece of housekeeping is done. It's not going to stretch into the summer and. Usually when you see the first round guy sign, the other ones quickly follow in a domino effect.
2: Now it's time for the games to begin for PS2.
4: Amen. Uh, Jason Christopher, what's up, buddy? Good to see you. He says, hey, guys, been a while. Thank you for putting out amazing content and being the voice for those of us who still believe in luck. Hashtag let them hate. Love you, Jason. Thanks, buddy. Again, guys, I want to know for those of you who think we have, it's, you know, our, our Drew Locke takes our bridge too far. Where are we, you know, where's, where is, has hyperbole set in? Where are we overhyping Drew Locke at this stage? Just, I want to hear it. I want your
2: take. You notice, though, that answer did not come because there is no answer because we're not. That was an overreaction. I think we're very, uh, very, very objective and very fair about Locke. We say, listen, we want him to get an opportunity, but if he gets that opportunity and he falls on his face, he should be out. He shouldn't have a long leash. Nothing should be handed to him. And if we were Locke apologists, if we were just so in bed with him, we would be making those statements. But we haven't and we won't.
4: What's up, Albert? Good to see you one of our Facebook Super supporters. He says, my QB lineup would be Drew Locke, Brett Rippon, and then a tie between Teddy bear. Case Cookis and, and Teddy Bear. Uh, interesting. Good to know. Appreciate the insight. Hope uh, you're settling into your new digs out there, my friend. So hope all is well. Give my best yep. to Michelle. Um, all right, let me see real quick, John. I got to get going here, but we don't like leaving anyone out in the cold. Um, so let me just do a quick glance through. Okay, we need... So I'm at, let me let me line this up real quick. Bear with me, gang. Sorry for the dead air here, but we don't want to miss anyone. So I'm at Kevin at 702. And that means I need Christian talking about a sleeper. I need Drew. Wow, Drew is in the house. Um, Tom, and then I got the I got it from there. Uh Air Mason, what's up, buddy? Took lock two off seasons to be a franchise QB. I mean, if you think he's a franchise QB already, we're not even saying that, guys, for what it's worth. We think he has that potential. We think that that could be in his his future and that the best is yet to come with Drew. But we've never said Drew's the guy forever, lock it in stone. We just think that he's shown enough that it's in the Broncos' best interest to move forward under the assumption that he could be that guy until he absolutely proves otherwise. Like if Teddy beats him out in camp, in a fair competition, then that's an
2: answer, right? That's, hey, he wasn't he wasn't cut out for it, but we don't know that yet. I don't know if this comment was made in jest or sarcasm or if it was some cheeky insult, but I've gone out of my way to insert potential franchise quarterback, not franchise quarterback, when it comes to Locke because that's what he is until proven otherwise. He's not a bust, and he's not a franchise guy. He is right in the middle.
4: Drew, another Mount Rushmore wow. superstar, rocking the swag in his YouTube profile. Love you, bro. Thank you for that generosity. Yeah, says, thank you. Just a little late, LOL. Still got to show some love. Hey, that's a lot of love. Than ever. Yeah, and that
1: appreciate
4: is, you
2: here. Thank you.
4: That is a lot of love. So, Drew, hope you've been well, my friend. Hope things are good in your neck of the woods. And it is great to have you in the chat. Thank you for the support, buddy. Um, I'm going to grab Kevin while John gets one queued up here. What's up, Big Kev? He says, do you all think we'll see more Natani Muti this year, especially if Graham Glasgow struggles again? Yeah, I do. If if Glasgow struggles and or gets hurt, Mooti's the next guy in. And so I'm not I'm I'm not hoping that happens. I want Graham to stay healthy. Right. I want, you know, not just not just for his sake, but you know, Broncos have some serious coin tied into him. I want him to work out. But if he goes down, Mooti's the next guy in. And that includes uh, Dalton Reisner. If Reisner were to suffer an injury, Mooti's the next guy that'll be tapped depending on how things shake out because it's looking like the Broncos want Quinn Miners uh, as a center to push Cush.
2: Yeah, I wasn't hoping that Glasgow struggles. I was hoping we see more of Moody because he was so impressive in his limited action last year, especially in run blocking. We say it all the time. The guy is just so strong, so powerful, and his hands were so thunderous. I want to see that on a consistent basis week in and week out. But he's a good backup to have for now, growing under Mike Munchak, while hopefully the Broncos get their money's worth, like you mentioned, as Glasgow. Dave again. What's up,
4: bro? He says, what's y'all's take on Javante Williams? After watching film on this dude – I think he'll take Melvin's job sooner than people think. Let him hate Broncos country. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a bona fide threat. This dude is no joke. Melvin knows that Uh, this dude, Javante Williams, he's the truth and he's a former linebacker. You know, he was a great student, very smart academic guy, uh, and talented. And one of the things you got to love about him is two things. He lays the wood. He looks to inflict the pain as the ball carrier. I love that. We, we saw that in a far less talented guy in Jawan Thompson many years back, not too many years, but a few years back. Jawan Thompson was that type of a guy, also a converted linebacker at Duke. He didn't have one tenth of the talent that Javante Williams has. All right. So there's that as far as what Javante Williams brings to the table. And he's just, you know, he's a, he's a good receiver out of the backfield. He can do it all. But what I love about him, Zach, very few, he's still got plenty of tread on his tires because he shared all those snaps in exactly. at North
2: Carolina with Michael Carter. Exactly. I was going to say, he's used to you know being in a committee role and having to fight for his carries and, be, and earn that top dog uh, spot. But he's not going to be sipping Merlot, Pookie. He's going to be taking Melvin Gordon's job probably by midseason. I would assume he is that talented. I wasn't crazy about a second-round trade-up for a running back, but if you're going to get one, might as well be Pookie. He is a talented prospect, and I think he's the future at running back in Denver. We need to get a shirt made up with Zach's face on it that
4: says, got Merlot, question mark. (laughs) Merlot Gordon. Um, Dale again, what's up, buddy? He says, we don't need Rodgers. We don't need Deshaun Watson. We need Drew to realize he doesn't need to make every play. He has a roster full of teammates who can help. I started seeing that in the second half of last season. Yes, another thing that jumps out, if you actually watch the film on Drew, and it's not that his week 11 performance on, was completely bereft of warts. There were some, you know, I mean, he's a young quarterback finding his way, but he took palpable steps forward down the stretch, and that was one of them. He kind of started realizing, look, I, I know I got a lot of guys to help me. I need to start feeding these guys. Here's how I can do it, and
2: it was a big step forward. Let me say one thing. It's Andrew to recognize when he should or should not do something, but it's not our responsibility, it's not the fans, it's not his receiver, it's not his linemen, it's the coaches. That's what they literally get paid for. That's what Shermer was hired to do is coach the mistakes out of Locke and make him a better quarterback. And part of that is sitting him down and drilling into his head, listen, green light, yellow light, red light, make it that simple. And they didn't want to do that last year. And the sooner they do that with someone like Locke and allow him to go out there and sharpen that sword, he will cut down on those turnovers. But to ignore the lack of coaching last year, Chad, with the turnovers, I think is is blatantly uh, biased.
4: We were pounding the table for Pat Shermer to pull his head out, so to speak, and you didn't really see it all year. And if you did, it was maybe a little bit down the stretch. He started realizing a few things, but I think, and again, that's why I say, like, look, Drew need, needs that year or two in the same scheme so that he can have that foundation and that comfortability with his scheme and play caller. Shermer too. That that pendulum swings toward the coach too. The coach now knows this collection of talent. Drew included, and I think that bodes well for a, a step forward this year. Just overall, offensively, team uh, Christian. I'm just going to say Christian because I always butcher the name. Who is your guy's sleeper team of the year? Not including us. Appreciate you, Christian.
2: Uh, Zach, who's your who's your sleeper? I have two. Deep sleepers. One is Cincinnati. If Joe Burrow comes back healthy, I really like what he was doing last year. And uh, if they can get that defense under control, tough division, but I I think they're ascending. And also it sounds crazy, but the jets, uh, if Zach Wilson, if they hit on him, they they have an offensive line. Now they have Robert Salah, who should work wonders with that defense. They can make a run for the money in, in the AFC East. Those are two teams off the top of my head. And also I see Miami. That's, that's not really a sleeper though. They were making a lot of noise last year. And I wouldn't, I don't know about Dallas being a sleeper team, but I think they're going to make a lot of noise in the division with Dak uh, healthy again this season.
4: My answer is not also, is also not like a huge sleeper dark horse. I mean, the last ESPN power rankings had them at number 12, but I think the Indianapolis Colts are going to be better than people think with Carson Wentz. So, for what that's worth. All right, we're running out of time here. So, Larry, what's up, dude? It's good to see you. Broncos fan number 24. Love you, buddy. Thanks for the support. He goes. I just wanted to stop by to support you guys, Chad. You've been dropping knowledge on Twitter lately. H- have I? I mean, thank you, bro. Always great to catch up with you, and uh, appreciate your support for real, dude. You're, uh, you've always been one of the greats, and it's fun to. I follow what you do on Twitter, by the way, as well. So yeah. uh, check him out. Check him out on Twitter. Appreciate you, um, BNS. What up again, dog? He goes, do you guys think Baron Browning, Denver's third round linebacker is the guy to finally shut down the tight ends and running backs watching film of him? I think he can. Hashtag all pro bowls, best pod in the business.
2: (laughs) Zach, your answer rapid fire. Straight from the Bulls news service. Yes, I do think once he gets some coaching and seasoning, not right away, I think it's going to be Jewel and AJ Johnson holding it down an inside linebacker, but once he adds a little weight and learns the Fangio defense, he's going to be a force against Kelsey, Waller, and the rest of the tight ends in the NFL. My favorite draft pick of this year's class.
4: And Justin Sternod, they both have that upside. Let's just hope they things click and they stay healthy. Tom, Canada, what's up, bro? Appreciate you. Do you think that the uh, QB fifty fifty BS decision was through Shermer, Fangio or Peyton. Thanks guys.
2: Uh, I would say Fangio to be frank with you. That would be my guess. I would hope, I hope that Pat Shermer is not dictating what the entire, you know, offense looks like he has to go through his head coach. So I hope Fangio is at least hands-on to that extent.
4: Two more, including Eric. What's up, buddy? Appreciate you. Great to connect with you on Twitter as well. Uh, appreciate the support. Most definitely also got a shout out, Travis, one of our Facebook super supporters, Appreciate you, dog. He goes, love the show, fellas. I do comment a lot, but not sure how to do super chat so you guys can see my comments and questions. So, Travis, you got to go onto YouTube to, do, to super chat. Um, so you'll maintain your your membership on Facebook as a supporter, get access to Kelderman's Corner, get access to the Trickle Zone on Facebook on the weekends. On the weekdays, if you want a super chat, go subscribe to Mile High Huddle on YouTube. And then you're good to go. You're watching live from YouTube instead of Facebook. And then you'll have an option to super chat uh, until and unless StreamYard finally gets it together regarding stars questions on Facebook. I wish they would show them to us in StreamYard the way super chats show up so we don't miss them. But until that happens, that's the best method. Uh, Christian, what's up, buddy? Appreciate you. He goes, I've been stuck on the graveyard shift, but catch you guys every night. Keep up the good work. State of being. Hashtag let them hate. Love it, dude. Appreciate you. Thanks for checking in, my dog. Um, Joey, a newer name on Super Chat. Joey, I'm not going to try and pronounce your last name. I don't want to butcher it, but you're a newer name on Super, so welcome. Thank you, my friend. Um, Also, shout out Dave Glassman, one of our most dedicated members of the community. Supports on Twitch. Supports on YouTube. Supports on Facebook as a, as a, a supporter. Love you, dude. Hope you're doing well. All right, guys. Before we get out of here. Oh, Joey did have a question. Cecil Lammy and James Palmer said they prefer Bridgewater's floor over Drew's ceiling. It's not just PFF that supports that narrative. Jeez, I can't wait for the crow season. Go Broncos. Hey, I love Cecil. Cecil's a good friend of mine. Um, I respect his take. I mean, for real Cecil's up there for me, like in terms of, you know, I, I, when he says something, I take it in. If it challenges one of my own takes, you know, I, do a 360 and kind of analyze that. But I disagree with him on that subject.
2: Yeah, I have a lot of respect for James Palmer as well, but this is the same guy that said Rogers was a done deal. Now he walked it back and said it's 20, 30% likely he's going to be traded. So I wouldn't necessarily buy into everything you're hearing right now. And Chad and I are of the mind that Broncos genuinely and truly are high on lock ceiling. All right, guys, before we get out of here, quick
4: shout out to our top superstar senders on Facebook, randy jones what's up randy sean miller what's up buddy gary Leeds palmer so consistent and then of course travis tarbox love you guys thank you for the support it means the world to us and with that guys we got to dip on out of here shout out to tyler randall for spending some time with us tonight it was great chatting him up he had some uh, unique insights that uh, we hadn't heard before so thank you tyler for your time tonight and for your support and to all of you guys we love you we got a dip though. So Zach, sign us on out of here and we'll see everybody tomorrow night for the Mile High Mailback.
2: Yeah, I'll keep it quick because I know you're short on time. Thank you everyone in the chat for another wonderful podcast. We'll be back tomorrow night for the Mile High Mailback. Chad and I's favorite podcast of the week. So if you have any questions, be sure to drop them right there at Huddle Up Pod or at Mile High Huddle on Twitter. You can find I'm not going to forget this time, John, John, the producer as John K M H H. Also guys, check out the store at HuddleUpPod.com. Get your swag, get your hats, your shirts, et cetera, et cetera. It's all right there. Your one-stop shop. And if you can't do that, we totally completely understand. Just do these three things. You can quickly subscribe quickly, like, and quickly share. It helps us grow immensely. We appreciate you more than, you know, Uh, once again, Chad, we'll be back on tomorrow night. 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern, Mile High Mailbag. Be there or be square. Take care. And as always, go Broncos.
1: You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.